Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Well, good morning. I thought everybody from Chilliwack had been here between last night and early this morning, but I was wrong. I was trying to figure out why so many people were showing up, and then I was listening to Dave's announcements, and it kept on sounding like he said, after the service, there's gourmet bacon. And I'm like, that totally makes sense. But I think he meant baking, didn't he? I was looking forward to gourmet bacon. Um, well, happy Easter. I want to tell you that whether you're watching online, here in person, or if you're up in an overflow area right now, I want to tell you, if you're up in an overflow, I'm going to preach extra hard. You're going to absolutely love this. You're not going to miss a thing. But I want to commend you because I think you made a really good move by deciding to make Southside Church a part of your Easter weekend this year. I want to explain it by telling you my goal today. My primary goal today is not to convince you that the events of Easter are true. Now, don't get me wrong. As someone who has spent most of my life studying history, I know that Jesus lived and Jesus died and Jesus rose again. I believe with all my heart. And yet my primary goal is not to prove that to you. Nor is it my primary goal to prove to you today that Easter is powerful. Don't get me wrong. I believe those events that took place in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago are the most powerful events in all of human history. They're still resonating in the world today, still changing the world today. They will echo into and through eternity. And yet my primary goal is not to prove that to you. My primary goal today, Easter 2023, is to make Easter personal for you and for me. Because it can be true, and it can be powerful, but I don't think it's truly powerful until we make it personal. And that's why I'm so glad that as we continue this journey through the Gospel of John as a church, that we've arrived at John chapter 11. The events of John chapter 11 are some of the most incredible events in the entire Bible. And they perfectly illustrate how the events of Easter are true and how they're powerful, but they're truly powerful because they're personal. So let me set the stage for us a little bit. The setting of John chapter 11 is a town called Bethany. It's two kilometers from Jerusalem. Bethany actually means house of misery. Not a great name for a town, really. Where are you from? Misery. Place of misery, you know. But for Bethany, it was well earned. See, here's what you and I got to understand. If we're going to really make Easter personal, we need to start here. Bethany was the place where uh, Jerusalem would send afflicted people. So if you were afflicted, if you were sick, if you were crippled, if you were blind, you were sent from Jerusalem to Bethany. And here's the reason why. Because religious Jewish people, especially the chief priests, said this. We don't even want to be able to see those people. We don't even want to be able to see them when we're worshiping God. In our perfect, in our pristine, in our privileged way, we don't want to see them. And so two kilometers was intentional. They figured that even on a clear, clear day from the Temple Mount, two kilometers ought to do it. We can't see them. So Bethany was a place of rejection. It was a place of isolation. It was a place of despair. It was a house of misery. 
So if we're going to make Easter in 2023 personal, why don't we start here? Because if I go back 2,000 years and I ask myself, where would I have lived? Where would I have lived? Like if, the, if, if the criteria for living in Jerusalem was perfection, privilege, prestige, and well-behaved, I can tell you right now, I would not have lived in Jerusalem. I would have been from Bethany. How about you? See, I think it's really, really important to note that three of Jesus' best friends were from Bethany. Mary and Martha were sisters, and they had a brother named Lazarus. And the way the events unfold is Lazarus gets sick, like really, really sick. So sick, in fact, that Mary and Martha send messengers to Jesus, who is about a one-day walk away from Bethany, and they say, Lazarus is sick. We need your help. And then something really strange happens. If you read through the Bible carefully, you see that it says this, that because Jesus loved Lazarus, and because he loved Mary and Martha, he stayed where he was two days and then walked to Bethany. Huh? That seems real odd, doesn't it? Now, it, it, it seems odd unless you know, spoiler alert, this story has a happy ending. But it's very important to note. They didn't know that. Mary and Martha didn't know that. The people of Bethany didn't know that. So as Jesus walks into Bethany here in John chapter 11, starting at verse 17, this house of misery is even more miserable. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. In the first century, Jewish people believed this, that when you died, your soul stuck around for three days. I mean, you never know, right? Like, for three days, the soul would stick around to see if there might be a miraculous healing or resuscitation, but after three days, the soul was, that's a wrap. It's over. I'm out, okay? So that's kind of how it happened. So it's probably important to note that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. It's over. Like, we might look at this from our 2023 perspective and go, oh yeah, but it has a happy ending. They didn't know that. So this house of misery, this Bethany, was even more miserable. It was a place of heartbreak. It was a place of mourning. It was a place of devastation. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, 
Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Kept reading that this week, and I kept thinking about you and me. See, here's the truth. It's not just Mary and Martha, and it's not just Bethany, is it? They call Bethany a house of misery. Well, here's what I know. It's not just Bethany, it's this world. Like if I had a chance to talk to each one of you today, how many of you are walking through misery right now? See, here's what I know about this world. This world is a place of joy, but it's also a place of misery. It's a place of beauty, but it's also a place of ugliness. It's a place of love, but also hate. Hope, but also despair. It's a place of life, but it's also a place of death. It's not just Bethany. It's this world we live in, and it's not just Mary and Martha. We've all been impacted. I would suggest that this sense of this dead brother is just a reminder of what we all walk through. That death is like the undefeatable enemy. It kind of hangs over human history like a shadow. It colors everything. Again, if I was to walk around and have a conversation with each one of you watching online right now, we've all been touched by it. We've all experienced heartbreak. We've all experienced loss. We've all experienced mourning. And it just kept hitting me. You want to make Easter personal in 2023? You better know this. It's not just Mary and Martha, and it's not just Bethany. It's this world. It's you and me right here and right now. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. John Chapter 11, verse 35 says, Jesus wept. In most English translations of the Bible, John 11, verse 35 is the shortest verse in the entire book. Some of you knew that because you grew up going to Sunday school, right? And your Sunday school teacher said to you one day, hey, look, if you memorize a verse for next week, I'll give you a pack of licorice. So you went home and you found out what the shortest verse in the entire Bible was, John 11, verse 35. You came in, you got a pack of licorice. Well played. I love it. Okay, but I'm actually pretty glad that you memorized it because it's really important. In fact, maybe you didn't grow up going to Sunday school. So today, I think it'd be a good idea for all of us to memorize it, okay? So we're gonna take a few minutes to do that. You didn't think you were gonna have to memorize scripture here at Southside Easter 2023, but you are. John 11, verse 35 says, Jesus wept. I'm just gonna give you a few minutes to commit that to memory. You got it? Okay, good. Jesus wept. It's so important because what it does is it shatters some misconceptions that you and me have about God. See, the truth is, Jesus is the human expression of the character, the nature, the person of God. So if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. If you know Jesus, you know God. And John 11, verse 35 says Jesus walks into Bethany. He sees what Mary and Martha are going through. He sees the heartbreak. What's his response? Jesus wept. See, I think there's a lot of us, we've come to the conclusion in our life that God looks at us with contempt. That when we fall short, when we miss the mark, when we wander off course, 
that God looks at us with contempt. He's so exasperated. He's rolling his eyes and he's shaking his head and that's overarchingly his opinion of us. And yet John 11 verse 35 would suggest otherwise, wouldn't it? Where did we ever come up with the idea that God looks at us with contempt? Did we bump into a church person who was having a bad day? Or, or, or maybe you went to a church for a part of your life and that's the picture that you walked away with about who God is and how he sees you. What a heartbreak that is. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's amazing though, when you talk to people, some, some of the people that you would look at on the outside who look the most well-behaved, the most put together, the most successful on the outside, inside they just got this feeling. In, in, in fact, there's people, you're joining us online today, and this is your first time or your first time in a long, long time being a part of a church service. Or you're here in person in overflow or in this room, and it's your first time or your first time in a long time. And the reason why you stayed away, in fact, there was part of you that didn't even wanna show up today. And here's why. Because somewhere along the line, we've been taught that when we walk in to church for the first time or for the first time in a long time, God's expression is to be standing there like this going, well, 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 well. Luke, who finally showed up. Man, you got a lot of nerve showing up here. Talk to the hand, you know? But John 11, verse 35 suggests otherwise, doesn't it? Please hear me. For Easter to be truly powerful, we gotta take this personal. God loves you. Man, if, if, if you wander off track and you're, you're, you're on a journey towards hurting others or hurting yourself, Jesus' response is to weep. Like when you walked into church today, and maybe you got a bucket load of guilt. You show up every week, but you show up with a bucket load of guilt or you're here for the first time in a long time. Please understand the picture, the picture that Jesus would want you to take away today is him standing at the front doors with his arms wide open, tears of joy streaming down his cheeks saying, welcome home. I love you. It's so good to see you. That's it. John 11 verse 35. Man, I'm glad you committed it to memory because it shatters some misconceptions that we have around the whole character and nature of God. I think for some of us, we think that when we go through a hard time, when we face a pain, when we face heartbreak, that God kind of looks at us with a sense of apathy. Almost like, well, what do you want me to do? You probably got yourself into half of it. But according to John chapter 11, verse 35, that's not how he feels at all. I said earlier, you know, we know there's going to be a happy ending. You know what's crazy? God knows that everything's going to work out in your story. I don't know exactly how. I don't know exactly when. I don't know whether it's going to be on this side of eternity, on the other side of eternity, but he knows that. And yet, and yet, and yet, Jesus wept. Because he sees your pain. He sees your heartbreak. And he weeps, and it's fascinating because the, the, this passage, Jesus wept, suggests that he wept not only out of sorrow, but even out of frustration. Even anger. Jesus is angry at what you're walking through. 
So angry, in fact, he decided to do something about it. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. The King James, the original King James says this, but Lord, by this time he stinketh. I kind of like that one, you know? So a couple months ago, I get up early in the morning, I get dressed, I head out for a walk on the Vetter River Trail. In my opinion, the most beautiful trail on the planet. I'm sure that I'm not going to run into anybody I know. Okay, it's really early. The sun is just rising. It's raining a little bit. I got my raincoat on and I'm walking and I'm kind of glad I'm not going to run into anybody. But wouldn't you know it? Half an hour into my walk, there's a couple that Corinne and I know, friends of ours, husband and wife. They come walking up. My original thought, my initial thought, my immediate thought is panic. Now, to understand why, let me tell you the beginning of the story again. I woke up in the morning. I put on my clothes and I went for a walk. Did you notice what I didn't do? I didn't brush my teeth. Okay, so I. I start backing away. I realize these people are so incredibly annoying. They're close talkers, man. They were like hunting me down. I'm trying to keep distance from them and I'm backing away and they're just closing the distance until literally my back's against a tree. I think about that a lot. Why didn't I just look at those people and say, hey man, didn't brush my teeth. My breath reeks right now, so get off me, man. Like, give me two steps. Get away or I'm going to run for it right now. I, I didn't do that because there's something about me. Maybe you can relate a little bit. It's almost like we're ashamed. I, I wouldn't want anyone to know that when I wake up in the morning and I don't brush my teeth, my breath, I don't know, stinks. Kind of like everybody else's. So instead, I'm backed up against a tree, nodding, shaking my head, going, yeah, totally, that's so true. I... They say social media can be depressing, you know, because you go on social media and you kind of compare your behind the scenes footage to everybody else's highlight reel. So a couple years ago, they came up with this new social media platform to fix that. It's called Be Real. Have you heard of Be Real? So what happens is at a randomly selected time of day, Be Real will send you a notification and you have to post. You have to immediately, no matter where you are, no matter what you're wearing, you got to post. You got two minutes. Okay. So a bunch of kids that work here, I call them kids, they're like 25, 30. I'm 33, so they seem young to me, you know what I mean? Okay, so they have Be Real. You would not believe how fast they can run and how far they can get in two minutes. They get the notification, they always find a cooler place. And then they do about like seven or eight takes before they finally post. Be Real. I guess not, after all. I think what can happen is people like me stand on a stage like this and we say something like this, Jesus loves you, because it's true. <laughs> but there's something about the life that we've lived or the mess that we think we've made that we think it doesn't apply to us. See, when I, when I look at my life and, and when I think about the messes I've made and to some degree the mess that I still am, I'm reminded, you know what? That's why Jesus came. That's why he came. Like I was reading a stat the other day that said this. 
60% of Canadians, as of the end of 2022, 60% of Canadians believe in God. Another 25% of Canadians say they probably believe in God. I find that kind of funny. But, but, but anyways, they, they, they probably believe in God, which means this, which means 85% of Canadians would at least say they probably believe in God. I have a question for you. What if we turn that question around? What percentage of Canadians do you think believe that God believes in them? I would say a tiny, tiny fraction of 85%. I think there's a part of us that we're a little bit like Mike Manis on the trail. We think that our mess is absolutely unique. That God could never love somebody like me. And what I want to tell you confidently today, whether you're online or in person, I want to tell you this, Jesus loves you. And as soon as I say it, there's a part of you thinking, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I said. Okay, but I don't need to. That's the entire point of Easter. I don't need to know you. God's love for you is not based on your innate lovability. It's not based on your mess or lack of mess in your life. It's just simply not. God's love for you is based on the capacity that Jesus has to love you. You can't outmess the love of God. You cannot do it. Because God's love for you manifested in Jesus Christ is infinite. His capacity never ends. So I can stand up here without even knowing you and tell you this unequivocally. Jesus loves you. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. the dead man came out. (laughs) What an incredible moment. It hits me pretty hard because if you ask me which one of the people in this John chapter 11 remind me the most of me, I would say Lazarus. See, because the truth is, before I met Jesus, I was spiritually dead. Before Jesus calls you out of death and into life, you are spiritually dead. Let me explain it to you this way. That that every one of us was created by God in his image, okay? And the way that he created us was this way. That we would live our lives at a core fundamental level, at the spiritual level, at the soul level, that we would live our lives connected to him. And the thing about God is, God is the source of life. He is the provider, the sustainer, and the giver of all life. So that makes sense, right? That we would live our lives, if we truly want to be alive, that we would live our lives connected to the one who is the source of all life. The problem with me and the problem with you, though, is that we were born with this hereditary condition, and it's called sin. It means missing the mark. It means imperfection. And for perfection, and that's God, to relate to imperfection is impossible. So before I meet Jesus... I'm spiritually dead. Blaise Pascal explained it this way. He said, inside of every person's heart, 
Inside of every human heart, there is a God-shaped hole. And it can't be filled with created things. It can only be filled by creator God, made known by his son, Jesus. Here's what I want to suggest. I don't think it's just me. I think we've all been in a place, maybe you're there right now, where you would say, I can feel, on some level, I can feel that I'm spiritually dead. It's this heart level emptiness. For some, it's like a instability that causes anxiety or depression. For others, it's just this desire to fill what's empty. What did Pascal say? With created things, right? And that can manifest itself in all sorts of ways. Can be lust, trying to use another person to fill what's empty. Can be greed. Can lead to compulsion, obsession, or even addiction. For some of us, it's this feeling of not having enough power. Like, I can't resolve my painful, unchangeable past, which can lead to feelings of rage, bitterness, shame, or regret. And for others, it's just this sense of, I'm incomplete. I'm not enough. And then we're insecure, we're jealous. It's really important. You want to understand Easter. You got to know this, that Jesus Christ stands alone among every worldview, among every religion, among every philosophy, among every school of thought in all of human history. Every other school of thought, every other religion says this. Hey, man, you, you, want, you, you want salvation? Just strive for it. You got this. Come on. You want forgiveness? Just earn it. You, you want heaven? Oh, no problem. Just reach, reach, reach. Higher, higher, higher. And here's the problem with that idea. And it's everywhere, by the way. It's called self-help. Here's the problem with that idea. I can't. I can't reach. You know why? Because I'm dead. Spiritually speaking, I'm dead. And Jesus is unique in all of human history in that he looked at me and he looked at you and he said, you can't reach heaven, so I'm going to bring heaven to you. And when Jesus died on that cross, what he did, we we talk about that, that separation from God means death. Jesus died my death. Jesus bridged my gap. So that relationship with God that had been broken, Jesus restored it. You know how? I I gave him all my wrong and he gave me back all his right. I gave him all my imperfection and he made me, in God's sight, he made me perfect. He filled what's empty inside of me. I just can't imagine that moment. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man comes out. What a moment. But there's something happening right now. There's something happening in this spectacular moment right now. Dave talked about it earlier. There's all kinds of reasons why you're here today, why you're watching online today, but there's a reason behind all of the reasons, and that's God's plan was that you would be here and he's calling your name right now. You've been in there long enough. He's rolled away the stone. He's put breath back in your lungs. Now are you willing to step out? That's it. That's the story of Easter, that Jesus came when I needed him the most and made me fully, completely, spiritually alive. So when you answer him, when you step out of that tomb, this is what happens. 
you receive eternal life. In other words, my body will wear out one day. Now, some of you young punks, you don't know your body's going to wear out one day. I do. I know that. Yesterday morning, I woke up. My thumb was so sore. My thumb. My thumb. You know why? I played too much Tetris on my phone the day before, okay? So I got like a Tetris injury. Old guy in the front row laughing. I know, man. You get it, right? You get it. <laughs> totally young guy. I'm just kidding. But here's the deal. My body's going to wear out one day. I'm never going to wear out. I'm spiritually alive. Today, tomorrow, and forever. Completely alive. So my death isn't a termination. It's a transition into eternity. New heaven, new earth, new body, beauty, Infinite beauty and love and adventure and hope and anticipation where the best will always be yet to come. That's the plan, and that's where I was going to end this sermon, but the story doesn't end there, so there's one more verse. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face, and then Jesus does something really logical. He says this, take off the grave clothes and let them go. That makes sense. It's really important, though. When I was 18 years old, I thought I was so tough. Walked around like this tough kid. I got in a, a, a big fight one Friday night with two guys at the downtown 7-Eleven parking lot in Red Deer, Alberta. Okay? Who hasn't gotten in a fight at the downtown 7-Eleven parking lot in Red Deer, Alberta? Ha- show of hands, please. See, we all have. Okay. So, two, got a shiner though, man. Like, honestly, I got a lot of shiners in my life. This thing was a beauty. Like, by day three, every color of the rainbow mesmerizing and so humiliating because I'm walking around in my life trying to protect, like, pretend like I'm the big tough guy, but it's clear, man. Like, and that sucker stayed for a long time. Everyone who looked at me was like, yeah, you got beat up. I think that's a little bit like the lives that we live. This world beats us up. It leaves its mark. And, and so on one hand, what I want to tell you is Jesus died so I can live, so that I'm spiritually alive, forever alive. And yet I also want to say he rose again. And my life with Jesus, see, he called my name when I was 19 years old. For some of you, he's going to call your name. He has been calling your name today. And I stepped out of death and into life. And you know what the rest of my life with him has been? He's just unwrapping the grave clothes. The marks that this world leaves, I don't know what they are for you. Maybe it is jealousy. Maybe it is insecurity. Maybe it's all the labels that people, who have, that people have given you over the years. People that should have built you up, but they tore you down instead. All the labels, these self-fulfilling prophecies that you walk into every day. See, my point is this. That Jesus wants you to live eternally, but he also wants you to live presently. Like in this spectacular moment, he wants to begin to clean you up. To become the person that the freedom in life that will be true of you spiritually will slowly but surely become true in the life that you live today also and forever. That's the plan. That's the plan. Last service at about this point, someone's alarm went off and then another person's alarm went off so I knew that I was done. So I'm a little scared about alarms going off so let's just close right now. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment of reflection. Hey, I'm going to just keep this really simple. I believe that for many of you here today, or watching online today, or in the overflow today, it's no accident that you're here. That Jesus is calling your name. You've felt it in lots of different ways. I don't have to convince you that this life is difficult. 
I don't have to convince you that there's kind of this feeling in your heart that something's missing. But what I wanna tell you is that Jesus loves you right now. And he's calling you into life, into life. He rolled a stone away. He put breath in your lungs. All you need to do is step out. And I'm gonna give you the chance to do that right now. Life eternally and life presently. If that's you today and you wanna accept his offer, everything that needed to be done has already been done. If that's your next move, with heads bowed and eyes closed, just raise your hand nice and high right now so I can pray for you. It's amazing. Hey, if you're watching online and it's safe to do so, I mean, I would love if you would just raise your hand wherever you are too. Something powerful about an outward expression to that inward commitment. Okay, if your hands are up, you can put them down. And I'm just gonna pray out loud and if you just raise your hand, I just invite you to pray quietly along with me. So Jesus, thank you. Today I accept your love. I invite you to be my savior. Today I hand you everything and I take back from you perfection, righteousness. Thank you. Thank you that you died for me and thank you that you rose again. So Jesus, I pray that today you would get to work on me. Whatever baggage I'm dragging around with me, whatever marks, whatever scars, I pray that you would be to clean me up, change me. I trust you, I love you, in your name. Amen, amen. Let's celebrate that. Got an idea. It's awesome. Crazy, but awesome. How about, how about this? How about we meet back here next week? It's gonna be so good. I can't wait to see you. I love you lots. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.